Hello, friends. Welcome to the third episode of the Schoolyard Podcast, brought to you by School Specialty. I'm your host, Nancy Chung, a fun-loving teacher and content creator, also known as Fancy Nancy and Fifth on social media, and I'm thrilled that you're here. A special shout-out to School Specialty, who offers essential educational supplies and complete learning environment solutions to help you transform more than classrooms. This is the Schoolyard Podcast, a podcast by educators for educators, where the magic of learning unfolds. Today, our wonderful guest Nicole Hill and I will be talking about designing an extended learning program that works for your students and meets their individual needs. I know some teachers are already back in school and some are still on summer vacation. I had a packed summer and it went by so incredibly fast. I was able to squeeze in some fun family trips and even had the opportunity to speak at three national teacher conferences. In between one of those trips, I received two emails from two of my former students. One of them told me how bored he was because he wasn't doing anything. And the other student was full of complaints that his mom enrolled him in too many summer academic classes and that he wishes they were as fun as my class. Now that got me thinking, what does summer break look like for our students? What about students whose parents have to work? What do they do all day? What percentage of them take academic enrichment classes? And what motivates families to enroll their children in these programs? So many questions. Let's go ahead and see what an experienced educator thinks about this topic. Nicole Hill has an impressive 16-year background in education, where she has held various roles such as classroom teacher, specialist, and administrator. She is certified as an educator in multiple areas, pre-K all the way to 12th grade, in Texas and Europe, and within communities that were each uniquely diverse in terms of their demographics, size, and campus needs. Her expertise spans curriculum and instruction, professional development, and leadership. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you, Nancy. I'm so excited to be here today, and I'm really excited about talking um, in regards to extended learning and how we as educators can utilize these learning opportunities, um, kind of what you were mentioning before with your students, um, give them some enrichment and some extension um, of what we do in the classrooms every single day. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, I know you mentioned a little bit before, um, but two years ago, I left my role as a principal where I was working at an inner city high needs school. And I had the wonderful opportunity to become a um, instructional solutions subject matter expert for school specialty. And what that means, instructional solutions for us, it specifically focuses on the area of math and literacy, as well as some other areas as well, to include extended learning, family engagement, social, emotional learning, um, social studies, and a few other things as also. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in this new role, I certainly consider myself to be an educator first and foremost. And um, it allows me to work with districts as well as schools across the nation to help them find, um, to collaborate and just be a, 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 a listen to listen and to hear what their needs are and provide them with, um, some solutions that might work with our students. Wow. That sounds like such an important job. Now you have vast experience working with such a wide range of students. What has that taught you about extended learning? 
every school and every district is different in every classroom, mm-hmm. every single year, when you get different kids into your classroom or into that school, they're different. And so with that, their needs changed and change, and you have to individualize for that community, that, that unique group of students, um, look at their, not just their, um, their interests, but their learning styles, their strengths, the needs that um, need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also, taking that and looking at the objectives of your program, right? So what are you trying to accomplish through the extended learning opportunities that you're providing for kids? Um, We have to also with extended learning, think creatively and outside of the box, because a lot of these opportunities are optional um, Mm -hmm. and they're optional. I want to say just not just for the kids, but frequently they're optional for the teachers, right? So Mm -hmm. as a principal, um, we had a hard time getting teachers to want to, um, join to participate, to work over the summers, to work on the weekends at Saturday mm-hmm. schools and tutoring and mentoring. So you have to get the teachers excited. You have to get the kids excited. And a lot of that is being creative, thinking outside the box, giving these kids new and different fun, exciting things to participate in. Um, and some of the things that make these programs unique that make people engage would be like the smaller class sizes. They get to really Mm -hmm. um, invest in one another and build relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the open-ended, I know that you've seen that in your classroom, the more open-ended where kids can explore and discover and maybe not have that restriction of like maximizing instructional minutes. Um, I know you've seen that where every single minute counts during the school day, but you can, you know, Mm -hmm. explore a little bit more. Um, and then to integrating, of course, that, that those objectives of your whole student learning program as well. Um, there's definitely a lot that you have to think of all that to say, looking at what you're, you know, what you're trying to do with your program. Right now you've been all over the world. Um, could you share some examples of really fun and creative extended learning environments that you've seen? Well, there are so many, our teachers and our educators are so creative and, um, again, what, what are, what is your community um, excited about? Where are you located and what's available to you? Um, some of them are pretty obvious. I think, for example, um, tried and true, I'll say, um, mm-hmm. even like, you know, one of the big things on our campus, one of my campuses says, what is a gardening club? And, um, they did everything integrating science and math and the engineering STEM STEM. Um, we even had like a composting program where they were selling like the compost, they were utilizing the food and the cafeterias and generating compost and selling it to the community. And so I think that's really a great, um, program I've seen, um, community service programs, like working where the kids get to help, um, different community groups, especially even like some of our, um, special needs populations, kids love that, um, job exploration, like events and days and activities. And just when you bring in all these different types of careers, um, obviously really big right now, STEM Mm -hmm. steam, Mm -hmm. um, robotics and coding, you know, but you can bring in so many different things where folks, you know, you're doing STEM seam again, you can bring in literacy, you can bring in math, you can bring in all of those. Um, I, myself, my first year was a very passionate history person. So Mm -hmm. I had a history club. Um, this is way back when now, but, um, took kids to the Holocaust museum, to the airplane museums. And, um, we did fun activities after school. And some of it was, um, like very specific, academic in nature, but a lot of it was integrated in. So the kids even know Mm -hmm. we were really learning. So again, being creative there. But those are the, yeah, I bet (laughs) those are the most memorable learning experiences for the kids, right? When you're 
Yeah, when you're when they're definitely able to think outside the box, outside the classroom. What are some key components needed in order to ensure that these extended learning opportunities are effective and successful? Well, the first thing I'm going to say, and all all teachers have heard this before, that you are um, the person that makes a difference in a classroom or in an extended learning program. So um, for our district level listeners or um, for principals or anything like that, you know, you want to have the best teachers possible, right? The most mm-hmm. passionate, the the most highly qualified, the ones that are fully committed to professional growth and, and discovery. And just really, they're doing this. They're not, you know, it's wonderful for teachers to want to make extra money during the summer, but we really want it to be bigger than that. Right. So people who are really excited right. and one of the ways we get them excited is to have like a very well-designed program. So that's going to lead me to my second um, point would be um, a lot of people, it's a lot of work. So mm-hmm. I work with a lot of districts in this speci- specific position so that it's not so much work for the teachers because the teacher's like, oh, I'm going to have to make lesson plans. I'm going to have to find my activities. I'm going to have this to be so stressful instead of fun for them where they get to work with a smaller class size. Um, I think that's, that's really key is making sure your teachers have the resources and the tools and the incentives that they need to want to participate to bring mm-hmm. in that, those highly qualified candidates into any, any extended learning program that you're doing if it's, you know during the school year, you know, during the summer. Um, also we do know that smaller class sizes, um, that's number one research, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> that, Absolutely. That, yeah. Not, you don't need yeah. all, you, yeah, it's hard to teach with, with mm-hmm. some of the class numbers we're seeing. So extended learning, that's the, the value of having, um, these extended learning opportunities is frequently they are smaller classes and research will mm-hmm. tell us time and again, that that is the number one way to really, um, impact, um, student mm-hmm. achievement. You know, all the teachers listening right now are probably saying, yes, lower the class sizes, <laughs> right? Okay, here's another question for you that a lot of the teachers might be wondering. How do you encourage student engagement? Your extended learning programs aren't going to be successful if they're not engaged. If we can really call to those interests and what they really are excited about doing. Um, for example, I've seen like, you know, cooking opportunities where, especially in these like, um, let's say more inner city schools, um, where Mm -hmm. they were providing, they were like cooking meals and like preparing that for like dinner that night. I saw that a lot Mm -hmm. at one of my old schools. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, and so they could do measuring and they could do reading ingredients and they could be creative. So the kids were learning, but they weren't, um, they, and they were excited and they were engaged, but it was mass learning. Right. Um, they got to eat, they got to eat that yeah, too. So I'm sure that's eat. a big incentive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. and those, yeah, that is huge. And you just really mm-hmm. see, especially in some of these other um, areas of our country, where that really is a prior priority and like not, mm-hmm. that's not always the case. Um, maybe they have parents that are working three jobs and they're not having time to cook at home. But if you can provide those snacks and mm-hmm. other little opportunities like that. It's, a, it's fun for the kids and mm-hmm. it's good for the community for sure. Right. I mean, I teach fifth grade and these kids are well fed, but they can, they'll do anything for like food. Your parents not feed you at all, but they will do. I mean, that's a great incentive. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. For sure. Um, now on the topic of extended learning, like parents ask me all the time, like if a parent were to ask you what type of classes a student should take over summer, what would you recommend? You know, it's hard again, because going back to it's all individualized, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what is that specific opinion? I do think parents should sign up for, sign their kids up for things that are going to encourage lifelong learning. 
right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Like just the the positive a- impact of being in a learning environment and discovering mm-hmm. and exploring and building those 21st century skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can tie in some of those areas for growth and improvement with mm-hmm. some of their academic strengths um, and really keep it. I also recommend like maybe keeping it short. My daughter, um, my, my daughter also, like, that's a good example. Mm-hmm. She was in um, summer school last year. And I think the reason why she was so um, willing to go was that that smaller class size, that individualized, it was something that she needed to work on, but also something that she could feel successful in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was short. It wasn't all day mm-hmm. long. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't, oh, yeah. um, if you have these all day learning experiences where they're never going to get to go play with their friends outside or maybe relax or go swimming mm-hmm. or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they're not going to want to continue to go. And as a parent, that's really difficult to, um, keep up that momentum all summer long. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of times parents who have to work will kind of stick, stick them into some kind of a summer yeah. program where they will be there all day. Mm-hmm. And if there isn't like fun built in, I could see how tiring and, um, and exhausting that would be for the students. I would complain as a student. Yeah. I'd be like, all my friends are having fun and I don't get to do anything fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, now, a lot of my students' parents, uh, when they ask me like, oh, what classes should I take? They're always trying to focus on what their child is weak at. So if they have like a B Uh in math, they're like, okay, they're taking math classes, you know, or they have an A minus. So they tend to focus a lot on like the weaknesses and trying to find supplemental classes for that. Um, I always love suggesting quite the opposite. I always ask them, what does your child love doing? What are they good at? And help them develop that passion. Now, what are your thoughts, thoughts on that? So absolutely. I love that idea. Um, touched base about on that a little bit, a little bit ago too, but appealing to your child's passions is a brilliant use of any extended learning programs. So, um, you can use, utilize these programs and the goals of those programs to really, um, bring out that curiosity, that inquisitiveness and pursue their passions through those strengths and interests. And then of course, still integrate in some of the different cross content areas. Um, You can read in all content areas and math can frequently be integrated in all content areas. So you certainly making, again, making a child excited about that lifelong learning and finding the, their, um, passions, their find something that they're enthusiastic about is going to support, you know, all, all areas and really show them that the number one thing we're trying to do as educators is that learning, discovery, inquisitiveness, curiosity, mm-hmm. those are all, um, positive and that, and, and exciting. And you don't have to love everything that you do at school. Um, but you do have to be like, um, just hardworking and curious and perseverant. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree with that. When I think of extended learning, I immediately think of summer school, but is there a way to implement that during the school year? Absolutely. I think there's a ton of options for um, what you can do with your extended learning program. And again, that goes back to the individual needs of your students, your community, your families, because that doesn't work for every community. Um, You can't guarantee participation. Um, So you have to really, again, look at, I think also having a blend of different types of extended learning programs, Mm -hmm. not just one. You can't just offer summer school. You can't just offer Saturday school. You have to see what's really going to guarantee participation. So mm-hmm. an answer to your question, you can have um, extended school days, extended school weeks. You can, um, when 
you can also do before and after school programs and clubs, mm -hmm. digital and online learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. I love, um, tutoring and mentoring. Um, and this is going to be a little bit, um, maybe controversial, mm -hmm. but, um, there are some communities that for whatever, whatever reason, they're just not participating. So I have seen even during the school day, you may not question whether that's extended learning. I kind of argue that it is, you see like the flexible grouping and, mm -hmm. um, pulling kids out and maybe pulling the tutors, mentors, um, some of your master teachers and doing some flexible grouping during the day. If that's the only time that they're going, that you can guarantee participation because it essentially mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. um, I think some of those activities that you're doing for students before and after school or on Saturdays, you could utilize those during the school day too. And I would argue that that's still extended learning. Right. Um, so you can always, called, oh, uh -huh. sorry to interrupt, yeah. but we had yeah. something called the lunch bunch mm -hmm. and it was for like kids who just wanted to come and hang out and it could be like whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. So we've done crafts, we've done arts, we've had like um, kids who came in to listen to music and to talk about yeah. music and we used different programs to actually have them compose music. So, you know, like, but it wasn't, it was totally optional. So it wasn't yeah. mandatory, but I guess that could be considered extended learning, right? I love that. Actually. I think that's great. Like that works for your, like your kids, your community, and they probably are all excited to go. It was an incentive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's, I think that's perfect. Nicole, sometimes I wonder if there are any barriers to participation uh, in the extended learning. Do you think socioeconomic status impacts that? So there's a lot of barriers. And one of those would be um, just financial, the financial commitment of it. So mm -hmm. that is certainly something to think about when planning these extended learning opportunities. We want, we want to make sure that every kid has access every kid wants to participate and that we remove as many of those barriers as possible. So, and that, and in fact, even beyond the barriers that there's incentives for going, right. So mm -hmm. I've seen that offered a lot of, mm -hmm. um, a lot of schools, right. So, mm -hmm. um, coming back to like having like snacks and food and treasure boxes or, um, some kind of fun, um, activity planned, um, that's an incentive to go and, and removing, removing barriers, but then offering some type of incentive. So, um, certainly looking at socioeconomic barriers and this, this can be true even in high, more high income areas, even because mm -hmm. if you think about parents in maybe a lower income area, they're, they're frequently working multiple jobs mm -hmm. and they're having to get kids to and from, they sometimes don't, I've seen lots of parents that did not have transportation that they were walking kids long distances, even to go to a regular school day. So, um, mm -hmm. walking late at night to pick up their kids after an after school program or coming at on Saturday, that just wasn't going to work when they're also trying to, you know, work different jobs. And that's true in, in any neighborhood, right. In any environment. So, um, so looking at that, if there's any cost and how we can maybe have a scholarship fund, or if mm -hmm. we can get other parents, I know a lot of times, um, we have like donation opportunities where other kids can participate. Would you like to donate $5 for those kids and, and also community partnerships, right? So if there mm -hmm. is a cost associated with your after or your um, extended learning program, asking the community partners, if they could help donate materials, donate supplies, mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. that they're, that that there is, that's not, that's not, um, something that you have to really, that the kids have to worry about, that the families have to worry about, that right, they right. can go and have fun. Um, or even like coordinating carpool, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've probably seen that a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reaching out. I've seen that even, um, with my own kids, you know, where, Hey, um, is there anybody who can pick up these kids because mm-hmm. other parents are working during the summer for, um, for this camp or that activity or mm-hmm. whatever it is. So, um, certainly like just building that communication between mm-hmm. the community as well, because these families, they want to build relationships within their, their groups and their networks also. Some other things I think are huge for barrier um, in regards to barriers to entry um, beyond just the financial side of it would also be communication. I think we, mm-hmm. we, um, we all do. We send out the newsletters, we post on social media, mm-hmm. we do um, everything we think of under the sun. And then we, we, we've all learned over and over again that you cannot over communicate. Um, mm-hmm. You have to have even, I know we were going digital a lot, but especially mm-hmm. in some of the higher needs areas I've worked, learn that paper is key. And mm-hmm. also the language barriers that can come up. Mm-hmm. If you want mm-hmm. your different parents to understand what a, a, a flyer or a pamphlet or whatever, you know, if you want them to come to a meeting to talk about an extended learning program, it has mm-hmm. to be offered in their language. So there's I just agree. so many different things that, um, that you can do to make sure that your partici- participation numbers are high, that mm-hmm. um, people are excited about coming and that they understand what you're trying to do. And they understand that the value that it adds for their students. Right. The benefits of that would be so huge. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I would love to put together some sort of a community outreach program where we can create more opportunities for extended learning for students from all different backgrounds. Nicole, if we could have one main takeaway for our listeners on the topic of extended learning, what would it be? So there's a lot of things to think about when you're designing your extended learning program. So we want to make sure that we are first and foremost, putting our students first, of course, and thinking about their needs, the family's needs and what is going to work best for them. So one size doesn't fit all just because you've done that, done a certain type of extended learning program in your school or district for 10 years. It certainly has to keep changing and evolving with that population with those kids, because these programs are, they're not, they're not required. They're mm-hmm. 99% of the time, there's really no way to guarantee participation. So what worked, what didn't work? How can we make changes? How can we update? Um, and, and what's going to be most impactful for this group of kids for this type of these, these families. And again, that, that blended approach, I think is really important mm-hmm. to make sure that it's not just we're we're only going to offer after we're only going to offer after school tutoring. Well, what about the families that need before school, um, mm-hmm. tutoring or mentoring or whatever it might be like you said with the flexible grouping during the school day what what really do these these students need um in in individualizing there I love that meeting the needs of every student Um, like you said one size does not fit all so one program does not serve all and I love uh, I love your idea of being flexible and being creative and creating these these uh, extended learning opportunities Now, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and thoughts with us today and joining us on the Schoolyard Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Extended learning should be meaningful and intentional. Parents and teachers, it is my sincere hope that we provide as many learning opportunities for our kids to discover their own individual element. In one of my favorite books, The Element, Sir Ken Robinson defines the element as the point at which natural talent meets personal passion. It's when you're good at what you love doing. He also says, one, human beings are naturally different and diverse. Two, 
Curiosity is the engine of learning. And three, human life is inherently creative. So whether it's a STEAM class, a cooking class, art, music, or a sport, let's really think about making extended learning more accessible for all of our students. Thank you for joining us for the third episode of the Schoolyard Podcast. Remember to pack your curiosity and meet us back in the schoolyard for our next episode on everything back to school. Class dismissed. Tag, you're it. Now it's your turn to write in with a question, which we will answer here on the Schoolyard Podcast for our segment called Tag, You're It. Tag us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, or Twitter at School Specialty and hashtag Schoolyard Tag, You're It with a question that you want answered. Starting with episode number five, one question will be selected per episode to be answered by our featured guest, myself. If your question is chosen to be answered on the podcast, we'll send you a very special Schoolyard Podcast t-shirt.